Okay, we are in Nehemiah chapter 10 this morning, and we will be starting uh, back up in verse 32. Let's open with a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you so much for your word and, and for this history of how you interact with your people. And we just pray that as we go through this, uh, we can appreciate the things that you did for them and, and appreciate uh, how much greater the blessings are that you have given to us in this uh, age of the church. And we uh, pray that as we go through this, you'll help us to uh, see things that we can apply in our own lives and, uh, and just remember to, to keep thanking you for all the things that you have given us. Pray you bless our time now in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so get, to get to our context, we're going to start reading in verse 28 and read through the end of the chapter. Again, it's Nehemiah chapter 10. The rest of the people, priests, Levites, gatekeepers, musicians, temple, te- temple servants, and all who separated themselves from the neighborhood, neighboring peoples of the, for the sake of the Lord of God, together with their wives and all the sons and daughters, who were able to understand, are joining with their kinsmen, their nobles, and are taking on themselves a curse and an oath to walk in God's law, which was given through Moses, God's servant, and to keep and to observe all the commandments of God our Lord and his ordinances and his statutes. We promise not to give our daughters in marriage to the people around us or take their daughters for our sons. When the surrounding peoples bring merchandise or any kind of grain to sell on the Sabbath day, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath or holy days. We will also leave the land uncultivated in the seventh year and will cancel every debt. Also, we made ordinances for ourselves to exact from ourselves yearly one-third of a shekel for the service of the house of our God. For the bread set out on the table, for the regular grain offerings and burnt offerings, for the offerings on the Sabbath, at the moon feasts, and at the appointed vessels for the holy offerings for sin offerings to make atonement for Israel, and for all the duties of the house of our God. Likewise, we cast lots for the supply of wood among the priests, the Levites, and the people, in order that they might bring it to the house of our God, according to our Father's households, at fixed times annually, to burn on the altar of the Lord our God, as it is written in the law. We obligate ourselves to bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all fruit of every tree year by year to the house of the Lord. As it is also written in the law, we will bring the firstborn of our sons and of our cattle and of our herds and of our flocks into the house to the house of the Lord, to the priests ministering there. We will also bring the first of our dough, our contributions, the fruit of every tree the new wine and the oil to the priests at the chambers of the house of our God and the tithe of our ground to the Levites. For the Levites are they who receive the tithes in all the rural towns. A priest descended from Aaron is to accompany the Levites when they receive the tithes. And the Levites are to bring a tenth of the tithes up to the house of our God to the storerooms of the treasury. For the Israelites and the Levites are to bring the contributions of grain, new wine, and fresh oil to the storerooms, where the article of the sanctuary are kept, and where the priests who minister are, along with the gatekeepers and cleaners. We will not neglect the house of our God. Okay, so last week we we started chapter 10. This is where they uh, have um, made this written commitment uh, by the Jews to obey God's laws. 
and we first saw the list of 84 leaders who signed it. Uh, and then we saw the descriptions of the others, the other Jews who also committed to keeping it. So we have a general uh, commitment to follow uh, this commitment. But after a, um, a general kind of <clears throat> declaration just to we'll keep all of God's commandments and laws, then we had some specifics. We saw first that they would not uh, have intermarriage with the surrounding tr- uh, nations and also that they would do no selling or buying on the Sabbath day or holy days. And also on the seventh year, they would let the crops uh, lie fallow and also would forgive the debts. And we've already looked at all these things because these are all things that they've had issues with. Uh, Was that corporate, everybody in the same year, or did they stagger that year? It doesn't say anything about staggering years. I think it was corporate. I think everybody did it at the same time. The year of the Jubilee. Right. I think they all did it in the same year. It would have been a lot easier to trust if you know your neighbors had crops and you could just buy them or borrow. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's God wants them to trust Him. So He, every seventh year, they have to trust. Yeah. So this morning we're going to, we're starting in verse 32, so we're actually looking at 32 and 33. We also placed ourselves under obligation to contribute yearly one-third of a shekel for the service of the house of our God, for the showbread, for the continual grain offering, for the continual burnt offering, the Sabbaths, the new moon, and the appointed times, for the holy things and for the sin offerings to make atonement for Israel, and all the work of the house of our God. So here they commit to a, it was called a, a temple tax, um, and it's essentially to provide all the operating expenses to keep the temple going and the regular services in the temple. <coughs> so here they designate um, a third of a shekel per year, but it doesn't tell us here who pays it. Is this everybody, all the infants and children and wives and husbands and everything like that? Uh, it doesn't tell us. So let's go back to Exodus 30, and we'll look at the original uh, temple tax, I guess you might call it. So we're in Exodus chapter 30. And we're going to read verses 11 through 16. And since this is a little longer, uh, why don't we read around, Marie, you want to start for us? The Lord said to Moses, (laughs) (laughs) You got off easy. (laughs) When you take the census of the people of Israel, then each shall give a ransom for his life to the Lord when you number them, that there be no plague among them when you number them. Each one who crosses over to those already counted is to give a half a shekel according to the sanctuary shekel. According to the sanctuary shekel. Which weighs... 20 grams, whatever that word is. Geras. This half shekel is an offering to the Lord. Everyone who is numbered from 20 years old and over shall give the contribution to the Lord. The rich are not to give more than half a shekel, and the poor are not to give less. When you make the offering to the Lord to atone for your lives. Take the atonement price from the Israelites and use it for the service of the tent of meeting. 
It will serve as a reminder for the Israelites before the Lord to atone for their life. Okay, so here's the original um, requirements, and it was a half a shekel. So this commitment they make during Nehemiah's time is for a third of a shekel, which is a little bit less. And the commentaries suggest that the the people in Israel at this time were probably pretty well impoverished. And so they reduced it by a a little bit uh, to make it easier on them. Um, But, you know, one of the things you can note here, this this is not a wealth tax, it's not an income tax, it's a Per head tax. What's a census? A census tax, right. Um, it's for the men who are 20 years and old and older, and they were the same ones who were numbered for uh, serving in the army. And so it's, it's also called a, uh, here in Exodus a, a, as your atonement or your ransom. So these people belong to God's army. In a sense, they paid the, the tax in order to go about their lives and not serve in the army or something at that time. Um, so you can't pay more. Mm-hmm. Pardon? You can't pay more. No, it can't pay more, can't pay less. It was That's the price. That's fair. Yeah, that's the price per head. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 17. We have a familiar story of the temple tax. Matthew 17, would someone like to read verses 24 through 27? When they came to Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma tax went up to Peter and said, Does your teacher not pay the tax? He said, Yes. And when he came into the house, Jesus spoke to him first, saying, What do you think, Simon? From whom do kings of the earth take toll or tax? From their sons or from others? And when he said, From others, Jesus said to him, Then the sons are free. Keep going. Through 27. However, not to give offense to them, go to the sea and cast a hook and take the first fish that comes up. And when you open its mouth, you will find a shekel. Take that and give it to them for me and for yourself. Okay. So here's this miraculous provision of this temple text. Uh, Some uh, versions say stator instead of shekel in fish. They were the same thing. And a drachma was basically a quarter. So it's like we have a dollar bill and we had four quarters. So two drachmas was half of a shekel. So that was the two drachma tax was a half shekel tax. So they still had that half shekel tax here you know, another 400 some years later. And the fish would have four drachmas so they had enough for both of them. He had enough for both of them, right? Yeah. So they paid for both Jesus and Peter. <laughs> Sorry. Marie says the fish is probably bad to get rid of them. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Glad to spit that thing out of its mouth. So, okay, so, so that tax lasted from uh, 1400 BC to the time of Christ and probably continued <coughs> after that. So, but at this time they reduced it a little bit. So after the temple was destroyed, who got it? Well, the temple was destroyed. Now, this is back the temple's rebuilt again. I mean, in 70 AD? I don't know. They probably... Is the tax still there after the temple was destroyed? I guess not. 
So, what is it? What are the expenses that this this tax paid for? Um, you know, in our passage, it lists uh, the continual daily offerings of grain and the lambs, morning and evening. Then on the Sabbaths and the new moons, you had similar offerings in addition to the daily offering. Also, there was appointed feasts, and they had additional offerings and sacrifices. You had your three feasts every year. Let's go back to Second Chronicles chapter 2. This is the time of Solomon. Second Chronicles chapter 2. Would someone like to read verse 4 for us? Okay, so this is basically the same list of offerings. He also mentions the showbread here. But those all, those all had to be paid for, and that's what this temple tax was for, was to pay for the, the offerings. Um, now our verse also says the offerings was for uh, the holy things. At, toward the end of verse 33, and, uh, and all the work of the house of our God. So this, not just the regular expenses, but other additional expenses would have been included. So let's, looking at Second Chronicles chapter 24, and we're going to, I'll read this because I want to skip through the verses. <laughs> Second Chronicles chapter 24. So this is Joash, and he, he has the priest go out and take this offering, or this tax, which perhaps had not been taken for years. So Second Chronicles 24, verse 5 says, And he gathered the priests and the Levites and said to them, Go out to the cities of Judah and collect money from all the Israel to repair the house of your God annually. And you shall do the matter quickly. But the Levites did not act quickly. <laughs> so he gets after them. And then getting on to verse 9. And they made a proclamation in Judah and Jerusalem to bring to the Lord the levy fixed by Moses, the servant of God, on Israel in the wilderness. Okay, so that's what we just read in Exodus. Then going down to verse 12. And the king and Jehoiada gave it to those who did the work of the service of the house of the Lord. And they hired masons and carpenters to restore the house of the Lord and also workers in iron and bronze to repair the house of the Lord. So they used this money for repair work. So that's some of the additional work. And then finally, verse 14, And when they had finished, they brought the rest of the money before the king and Jehoiada, and it was made into utensils for the house of the Lord. Utensils for the service, and the burnt offering, and the pans, and utensils of gold and silver. And they offered burnt offerings in the house of the Lord continually all the days of Jehoiada. So that's what the temple tax was used for. We had an example of that there. Okay, going back to Nehemiah chapter 10, uh, going on to verse 34. <coughs> 
says, Likewise, we cast lots for the supply of wood among the priests, the Levites, and the people, in order that they might bring it to the house of our God according to our fathers' households at fixed times annually to burn on the altar of the Lord our God as it is written in the law. So here they organized the task of bringing wood for the, for the offering, for the sacrifices, because they had to... Uh, they needed, needed wood can, uh, all the time. Um, everybody took a turn here. It didn't matter whether you were the high priest or you were the one who shoveled out the stables. You were, yeah, they took a lot. <laughs> whoever, whoever got picked had to bring wood. So uh, everyone was included in this. And so this is similar to the, the tax. You know, everyone paid the same thing. They're all, everybody was um, handled as an equal in providing for the necessary things of the temple. You couldn't say, well, I'm too important, I don't have time to go help, no. Or, I'm too poor, I can't help, no. Everybody was included here. So, uh, it talks about fixed dates, uh, commentaries, that this was probably on an annual basis. They would maybe certain days during the feast times or something. There were certain days when they would bring all the wood in, not necessarily every day. So you might, you know, and it might have been a monthly thing. Okay, you had to, you had to provide wood for December, or you, someone else had to provide it for March. So, but it was an annual basis. Let's go back to Leviticus, chapter six, and look at some of. Um, some of the passages about the wood and the fire. Leviticus 6.12. Someone like to read that for us. The fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not go out. But the priest shall burn wood on it every morning, and he shall lay out the burnt offering on it, and offer up in smoke the fat portions of the peace offerings on it. Okay, and then uh, 13 says, fire shall be kept burning continually on the altar. It's not to go out. So they didn't just start a fire, make their offerings, and then let it burn out. It had to be kept burning. So this took a lot of wood. Um, let's look at Joshua chapter 9. Someone read verse 27 for us. Okay, now who's... This no? is the group that's claimed they were from a long ways away. Right, the, right, there. right, these were the Gibeonites. These were the Gibeonites who had tricked them into not being destroyed, not destroying us, yeah. Uh-huh. That's what it says at the end of verse 26. And they did not kill them. <laughs> Instead, they got to be wood carriers and water carriers. So the Gibeonites were, were the ones who were responsible for bringing the wood. Now... When the Jews were taken into captivity, the Gibeonites probably said to themselves, do we really want to go back to Jerusalem and spend the rest of our lives hauling wood? <laughs> they, probably, they probably dispersed amongst the nations. So they did not have, I'm assuming they did not have Gibeonites here to, 
um, help them carry wood. So going back to Nehemiah, one more verse. Let's look at the last verse of the book. Someone like to read that for us. Chapter 10. 13. Last verse of the book. Oh, oh. Last verse of the whole book. No, the book of Nehemiah. <laughs> Sorry. I also made provisions for contributions of wood at designated times, and for the first first, the first fruit. Oh, I can't say that. For the first fruits, remember me with favor, my God. Okay, so he kind of sums up the whole book by saying, "I made sure you had wood." <laughs> it, it, <laughs> Yeah, you need the wood. Uh, that was, I thought that was interesting. That, that the very last thing that Nehemiah would write down, in addition to the first fruits, was, yep, I made sure we had wood. Remember me, God, for this, this good work that I have accomplished. Well, that'd be interesting whenever they, they were out in the wilderness, and you know, it said to keep the fire burning continuously, but then they had to move, so somebody liked to uh-huh. take the coals, and then you had to find, try to find wood again. I would, I would guess so. They had to keep finding wood. You just pack it with you. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't, I, I don't think that wood was very, you know, it's not like the Pacific Northwest where you've got trees coming up all over the place. Well, that's even the, when you're talking about these shelters they were building with the brush. I'm going, you know, unless that's a totally different picture of what I have, but they're, they're that's what it looks like. Yeah. <laughs> that I, may be a task also. I think they had a winter climate. In the past, I think it's been drying out for mm-hmm. centuries. Yeah, if I if I understand the the way the climate has changed since the flood, mm-hmm. it's just gotten drier and drier. So, mm-hmm. um. okay, well, back to Nehemiah chapter ten, going on uh, verses thirty five through the first part of thirty seven talks about the first fruits and the firstborn. It says, In order that they might bring the first fruits of their ground and the first fruits of all the fruit of every tree to the house of the Lord annually, and bring to the house of our God the firstborn of our sons and our cattle and the firstborn of our herds and our flocks, as it is written in the law for the priests who are ministering in the house of our God. We will also bring the first of our dough, our contributions, the first of every tree, the new wine and the oil to the priest at the chambers of the house of our God. And we'll stop there. So this is their promises to bring first fruits and uh, firstborn to the temple. So looking at the first fruits, God is to get the first and the best of everything because he has given it to the people. Let's go back to Exodus, chapter 34. One of the things that we we see so often in churches and Christian ministries is people donate all the junk they don't want. (laughs) They don't get the... God does not get the first fruits. Exodus 34, would someone like to read verse 26? Mother's mouth. 
Yeah, so bring the very, the very first of the first fruits of your soil. Um, that last sentence about boiling a kid in its mother's milk, I've heard that is a, that was a pagan rite of some kind. And that's why it's prohibited. Yeah, it's really... It is. It's kind of an awkward you spot. Talk about of the soil, and you talk about <laughs> You're right. Um, yeah, 20, verse twenty-five talks about how to make offerings too. So, anyways, there's the the best and the first was supposed to be given to God, and it says in our verse it should be done annually. Uh, you bring the first fruits of the ground, that's crops, first fruit of the trees. So you've got your olives, dates, whatever. I don't know if they grew apples, whatever, grew on the trees. Um, are brought annually. So this is probably <coughs> brought during the annual festivals. So if you go and, you know, there's three annual festivals. The first one is uh, Passover and Unleavened Bread. This is too early in the year for anything to be ripe, except maybe barley. Barley was a winter crop. And so there may have been some barley, but there really, there's no mention of giving anything at this time. Pentecost, though, is another 50 days later, almost two months later. And then the wheat harvest is ripe. So let's look at uh, Numbers chapter 28, verse 26. Numbers 28. Someone like to read verse 26 for us. 26. Also, on the day of the first fruits, when you present a new grain offering to the Lord in your feast of weeks, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no laborious work. Okay, so the Feast of Weeks is Pentecost. Here is a new grain offering. That's the first fruits of the wheat harvest. Um, so sometimes, uh, well, here at Pentecost is called the Day of First Fruits. So that's one of the reasons for that. Um, for the, what does something. Pentecost mean? Five, or 50, excuse me. Pentecost is five. Yeah. Yeah. So, 55. It's 50 days. It's, it's, there's seven, seven weeks go by, plus the next day is the 50th day after. We just, we just had that, didn't we? After Easter? I think I saw it on the calendar. It may be, yeah. Yes. So it, it's about this time of year. So they had their, uh, their wheat was ripe already. And again, I think, from what I understand, they would plant in the fall and it would grow over the winter so it was uh, it was earlier crop than we see in the like in the Palouse where, where I went to school and we they harvested wheat in the summer and the fall um, and in the fall we had the feast of booths which we've talked about does anybody remember the other name for that feast booths feast of booths was also called the well, not tabernacles. It was also called the Feast of Ingathering. Okay. And so this is when the... Yeah, this is when the fruit trees would, and the dates and the oil and all that would be ripe, the grapes. 
would be ripe at the end of the year. So they actually had, you know, we have one Thanksgiving, and that's similar to the Feast of Booths, you know, in the fall. Well, they had a first one was in early in the year, about this time of year, for the early crops. So they had two Thanksgivings every year, and that's when they would bring the first fruits in. Um, so this includes the figs, the grain, the wine in the fall. Okay, so that's the that gives us the first fruits. We also are told here that they'll bring um, the firstborn of the sons of the cattle, of the herds, and the flocks. That goes back to the ten uh, curses on that were brought on Egypt. Remember, the last one was the death of the firstborn. And it wasn't just people. It wasn't just humans. It was all the animals, too. God took all the firstborn, except from the Jews. When they went into the land, God then demanded a ransom for all the firstborn of the people of the Jews. They had to pay a ransom to God because they belonged to him. He had taken the firstborn of everybody. And so that's where this comes from. The firstborn belong to God. Um, let's go back in Exodus. Look at chapter 13. Exodus chapter 13. And would someone would like to read verses 12 and 13 for us. We shall set apart to the Lord all that first opens the womb. All the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. For if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. Every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. Okay. <coughs> so, so, these, so all these animals were brought to the Lord. Um, some of you know, offerings and, and brought to the priest. What about the donkey? What's the problem with the donkey? It has cloven hooves. It's an unclean animal. So God says, you can't bring me donkeys. <laughs> it belongs to me. You have to redeem it with a lamb. So you have to substitute a lamb for the donkey because the donkey's unclean. So that's the issue with the donkey here. Um, They were using them as pack animals, right? So they couldn't eat them either. Um, And all these gifts were given to the priests. So they came to the temple to the priests, the Levitical priests. So if we're still in Old Testament, Numbers chapter 18. We'll actually be back in this part of Numbers a couple times here. Numbers chapter 18 Someone like to read verses 12 through 15 here. 12 through 15. I give you all, all the finest olive oil and all the finest new wine and grain to give the Lord as the first fruits of their harvest. All the land, land's first fruits that they bring to the Lord will be yours. Everyone in your household who is ceremonially clean may eat it. Everything in Israel that is devoted to the Lord is yours. The first offspring of every womb, both human and animal, that is offered to the Lord is yours. But you must redeem every firstborn son and every firstborn male of unclean animals. Okay, and this is uh, 
He's looking back at verse 8. Then the Lord spoke to Aaron. So this is the priesthood. So all the firstborn, all the first fruits were given to the priests. They got the first fruits. Right. Right. They. Yeah. God provided for them. So we had, you know, we had the the tax was for the offerings to keep the temple running. Now we have the first fruits and the firstborn. This is to provide for the priests. So, and we have a little bit more. Uh, go back. Read verse. The first part of verse thirty-seven. We will also bring the first of our dough, our contributions, the fruit of every tree, the new wine and oil to the priests at the chambers of the house of our God. So this also mentioned the first fruits of the dough. So we're still in numbers, hopefully. (laughs) Let's turn back to chapter 15. You might want to keep a finger here in numbers for a little while. Numbers chapter 15, if someone would like to read verses 20 and 21. Okay, so there's the dough offering, the first fruits of the dough. You know, I, I thought that looked kind of odd and start looking at cross references. By golly, there it is back in numbers. The so first, is the NIV completely wrong by not saying dough? In the first, in the first one in 37, it said ground meal. Ground meal. And this here talks about the loaf. So it skips yeah. the dough in both directions. It said uh-huh. it's ground meal in one, but it's the processed dough and the loaf on this one. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Well, present a loaf from the first of your ground meal. Okay, so here's, yeah, so this is probably, again, in Pentecost, which is, this is the first of the wheat offering. So they grind up the grain and they make uh, dough and, and offer the first fruits to the Lord. Well, back in 37 in Nehemiah, right. they're kind of um, bringing stuff to the storehouse. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I thought, are they bringing dough to the storehouse? They just bring the meal. To then make dough out of the meal or the bread, yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Now, now here it says, of, it "says of the first of your dough, you shall lift up a cake as an offering." Right. So you bake a cake and then bring the cake to the priest. So. Here comes a loaf and so you have to bring cakes to Robert. He, he'll enjoy that, right? <laughs> yeah, donuts will do, you know. <laughs> let's let's turn back to Leviticus twenty-three. There's a there's an interesting one which I think uh, I think this refers to the same offer. This if if you understand. If you ever look at types and, and, and typology in the offerings, this is a very interesting one. So Leviticus chapter 23, would someone like to read verse 15 through 17 and then skip down and read 20?
cut off 50 days up to the day after the seventh Sabbath, and then present an offering of new grain to the Lord. From wherever you live, bring two loaves made of two-tenths of the effect of the finest flour, baked with yeast as a wave offering of the first fruits to the Lord. Keep going. And then 20, and then down to 20. The priest is to wave the two lambs before the Lord as a wave offering, together with the bread of the first fruits. They are a sacred offering to the Lord for the priest. Okay, so this is at Pentecost. They bring two loaves of what kind of bread? Baked with leaven. Are there any other offerings made in the that have leaven in them? Usually when the offerings they represent Christ. There's no leaven here. There's no sin in him. Now here you got two loaves with leaven. And so when they start thinking of types, this represents sinful man. You've got two loaves. One represents the Jews. One represents the Gentiles. They're being offered up to God on the day of Pentecost. So what does this represent? The church. This is a picture of the church. And that's what, you know, as, as far as typology goes, you know, you can't nail down with absolute certainty, but this seems to represent the church. In which case, it's one of the few hints and we have in the Old Testament of the church that they've got the two loaves offered up. On the, and again, it's on the day of Pentecost, which is the right time of year, so right time of their uh, ceremonial year. Okay, back to Nehemiah chapter 10. So verse 37 also talks about the fruit of every tree. Well, that repeats what we saw in verse 35. It also specifically mentions new wine and oil. And it's brought to the priests. Again, the first fruits, the firstborn are brought to the priests. And it says they're taken into the chambers of the house of, the, of God. So if you go back and you look at the description of Solomon's temple, the, the temple was built basically facing east-west. On the north and the south sides, they built three stories of storerooms on the outside of the temple. So they had all these rooms up and down the outside of the north and south walls of the temple. So these are all storerooms. And these were chambers. Um, I think I've seen maps of the Temple Mount. It shows other buildings around that also could have been storerooms. But the temple itself had storerooms built in. So, you know, like if this was, the church was the temple, it would be off these two side walls. You'd have three stories of rooms to store all the stuff in. And if you, <coughs> you think about how much stuff we've got stored and what few rooms we've got. <laughs> I could see where they'd get filled up pretty quick. That storage was for the priests. Yes. Not the Levites. The well, the, the, first, the first fruits and the firstborn were for the priests. And we'll look at the storage more later because it, it wasn't limited to just this. There was other things stored there. So. 
Okay, so next time we'll look at, uh, we need to stop, but we'll look at a tithe. And I'll start in the latter part of verse 37. We'll talk about the tithe. Um, Joe, would you like to close in prayer for us? Dear Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the living word that speaks to us. We thank you for that. We thank you that you are walking beside and guiding and directing, and we just pray, Lord, that we will be into your, your leadings. Thank you for this hour we can look back onto the, the word you have for um, the way you restored a nation and the way that nation was willing to step forward and follow you. Lord, we just pray, Lord, that as we look at our nation, that we will be willing to restore and follow you also. We pray for our nation. We pray for our leadership. We pray that they will turn to you, that they will um, seek after you, and that they'll follow you out for them today. Thank you for this hour. For this hour, Robert brings to us. And we just refresh our prayer. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Daryl. It's been a long time.